The Insurance Coffee House is hosted by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies, brokers, and insurtechs in the UK and across the United States, attracting and retaining the most successful leaders to your insurance business. To find out more, visit insurance-search.com. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and be inspired by the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Schmidt, who is the Chief People and Chief Administration Officer at Skywood Specialty Insurance based down in houston texas and it's a pleasure to welcome tom to the show today welcome to the show tom nick thanks so much great to see you again great to see you tom i know we've been talking about doing a podcast like this for a little while so really looking forward to the discussion today finding out more as well about the story there at Bywood. before we get into that though as ever you know we like to ask our guests what they're having for coffee this morning as we're in the coffee house so what's your go-to coffee of choice today so I'm a born and raised New Englander, so it's uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Great to hear. Tom, so if we dive into things, let's start off with for our listeners to get an idea on your background, your career. So maybe you could give us a little bit of an overview of that journey and how that's led into the position that you are there now as the Chief People Officer at Skyward. I've been in HR my entire career, which is not so unusual now, but back in the day when I first started, it was highly unusual. I was a student at Boston College and was rotating through a variety of uh, core business courses, took a course called what was still at the time called personnel management. And I said, this is something that I want to do, only to be told nobody starts their career in personnel. Challenge accepted. I took an unpaid internship my junior year. That translated into a summer position writing the affirmative action plan for one of the Boston-based banks, then evolved into a -a three-day-a-week job during my senior year and a full-time job offer upon graduation. At the same time, I partnered with one of BC's organization behavior professors, and we lobbied the dean of the School of Management to create an HR major at Boston College. So I was one of the very first two students to uh, graduate with an HR major from Boston College. I've worked in banking, high tech, and insurance, including 13 years at Progressive Insurance and 15 years at One Beacon Insurance. After helping to successfully sell One Beacon Insurance to Intact Financial, I was in a series of interim and short-term positions, including um, doing some independent consulting. I got a call from uh, a friend and former colleague, told me that uh, his company just got a new dynamic CEO was looking for some help devising a comprehensive incentive program. That's how I got introduced to Andrew Robinson, who is our CEO at Skyward Specialty, and I know who's been on your show, and so you know just how passionate and dynamic he can be. He convinced me that we had the opportunity to build the company we always wanted to work for. And when he asked me if I would join full-time, I was all in. Thank you, Tom. That journey that you've been on there, obviously you've worked at some very large insurance businesses, some very successful insurance businesses, and you talk about how you've led that through you know, to acquisition. What's been the main difference there at Skyward? Obviously, joining a smaller business that I know is very much in a growth stage, a turnaround stage when you first joined, what's been the sort of major difference there? 
you know, I've worked for small companies. I've worked for large companies. Small companies are a lot more fun. It's like being the uh, the captain of a speedboat versus the captain of an aircraft carrier, right? An aircraft carrier is more powerful, but it's yeah. a lot more work and a lot more coordination and a, and a lot more layers of command. Whereas in a, a smaller company, we have the opportunity to just change on the dime. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a very dynamic environment. And your role there as the chief people officer, and it's obviously something which Andrew identifies shortly after he came into the position as CEO, looking to, to implement some major change in the organization. What's been your role there? What are some of the accomplishments that you and the team have achieved over that time? It's primarily sort of all things people. And the predecessor company didn't necessarily invest to the degree that we think is necessary in sort of people infrastructure. And so a lot of the work has been in terms of creating the basic infrastructure that can support growth that we've experienced this past year and, and even this past quarter. A tremendous amount of the work has really been around sort of leading the cultural transformation to a new organization. It's been a huge rebrand Skyward Specialty earlier this year. The company went public IPO in January this year. How has that all come about? What's been the feeling behind that? And how is that also helping you to develop the culture there? So it started right as Andrew came into the organization in 2020. And I think it was May of 2020. I joined as a consultant in June and then came on board in September. And tremendous amount of work to, as you say, to rebrand and remake the organization and to set it on trajectory, which resulted in the year's first successful IPO after a, a dearth of IPOs last year. It's been a tremendous positive boost to all of our staff. Uh, we shared in the in the celebration with our entire team. Every single employee received equity in the company as part of the IPO really just sort of helped to be the culmination and the springboard for continued growth and development. When I previously interviewed Andrew on the podcast, it was around three years ago now, unbelievable how the time flies, certainly as we've gone through and out of the pandemic. He is very much aligning himself, talking about some of the plans that they had, and, and they're really big plans at the time and his vision and his vision for the future of the business. You've now had that IPO. Actually, Andrew's also coming on. We're, we're doing another episode as well with Andrew this week. So listeners will be able to get their fix of Skyward Specialty this week on the podcast. Maybe you could sort of talk me through that journey from when you started and where the business was then and what you've done there to implement change and now lead that into an IPO and coming out of it the other side. Andrew obviously takes the lead on all of this, but we have a vision for what this company can be. It starts with Andrew's vision. All of us have bought into where we can take this company. We want Skyward Specialty to be um, a company where great people want to work, where the best partners and best customers want to bring their business, and where top-tier performance ensues. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of our vision statement. We boil that down, as I mentioned earlier, into building the company where we've always wanted to work. So much of what we've done is really to first sort of lay out aspirationally who we want to be as an organization, and then to put in place the tools and mechanisms and reinforcements in order to be that organization. That leads really nicely on to the area that we were going to discuss in a little bit more detail. And I know it's very much about 
building a winning culture there. And that's obviously been a huge part of that. Why has this been important for the business? What initiatives have you put in place there to really drive a changing culture? I know there's been a big hiring. You know, you've been very successful in attracting a lot of talent to the organization. Maybe you could talk us through some of the key steps there. In some ways, as I think about it, Nick, a lot of companies say that, you know, we're going to do all of these things. And a lot of companies do all of these things. But I think putting it together in a consistent way, in a way that really works, that's really the secret sauce, right? Because none none of it's rocket science, but to be able to do it well and do it consistently, I think is the real opportunity. And so for us, you know, we start with, as I said, sort of aspirationally, who do we want to be and what kind of organization do we want to be? We have invested very heavily in objectives and key results as a way of leading and managing our organization. We start at the top, we cascade those uh, OKRs down to the business and then down to every single individual. Lots of companies talk about doing it. It's been my experience. It's harder to mm-hmm. actually affect in a very consistent way. We have affected it in a very consistent way. What that means is every single person understands what they need to do in order to contribute to the success of Skyward Specialty. In fact, we do an engagement survey annually um, on that particular question. 96% of our respondents said either strongly agree or agree that they understand exactly what they need to do to be successful. Mm -hmm. It means we have this incredibly aligned organization where everybody understands what their role is in helping the company to succeed. We then back that up with a very comprehensive incentive system. And that incentive system is absolutely tied to uh, individual results, to underwriting division results, and to the overall company results. And again, folks absolutely understand what they need to do in order to be able to positively affect their opportunity for a good incentive payment. Again, sort of builds that alignment. Mm -hmm. Lastly, I mean, cultures are built not just based on sort of what, what we measure and how we reward, but they're based on storytelling. Because really, at the end of the day, a culture is really just what do we care about? And equally, what do we don't care about? right? We don't care about bureaucracy. We don't care about hierarchy. We don't care about titles. What we do care about is really creating sort of an empowered organization, an organization where everybody can bring their true authentic self to work and be comfortable um, and where everyone can continue to grow and learn. As I said, it's not rocket science, but when you put it all together, it gets to be this really exciting environment where folks are attracted and uh, where folks want to work. It's very, very powerful indeed. And I know you sort of yourself out there as a billion dollar startup business, you know, it's really starting from ground zero and you're really launching out there and being able to build that infrastructure and all of that alignment. Do you think that's because of where the company is in terms of size at the moment or the company being at the size it is? That will then help you to really grow and expand the business with everybody aligned like that. Would that be a harder thing to do? if he came into a much larger organization? I think a much larger organization that needs a significant culture change is a, is a mm-hmm. bigger challenge. Mm-hmm. I do think that we are, we're still small enough. We're about 460 employees. We're very yeah. boutique-ish, if you will. And it gives us lots and lots of opportunity to affect change. In fact, over the last three years, we probably, 50% of our staff are probably three years or less in tenure. Um, So it's really given us an opportunity to hire in the model of the go forward organization. 
And I think folks who have chosen to stay have welcomed that change. I think folks who maybe weren't comfortable with the change in the direction may have exited and gone elsewhere. Tom, thank you for that. Being a specialty carrier, working in some really sort of niche lines of business, and obviously you've attracted a lot of great talent in underwriting, in claims, you know, people really at the height of the game. What do you think the secret to that success has been? And what do you look for as a business, as an organization that might be slightly different to maybe some of the larger carriers? What is it that aligns well for you? And is it a good cultural fit for the organization when it comes to hiring people? As a specialty insurance carrier in particular, individual underwriting expertise is primary. I think folks who are craft underwriters who mm. um, want to come and own their desk and be in a position to practice their craft in a specialized niche, mm. those are the folks that do really well here. It's exciting because folks want to be empowered. They want to be yeah. able to do their job. They don't want to be encumbered by a bunch of bureaucratic rules mm -hmm. and particularly super accomplished individuals, whether that's on the underwriting side or on the claim side or in the various support functions that help to support underwriting claims. Um, they want to be able to bring their expertise. Mm -hmm. They want their ideas heard. They want to be able to contribute. Mm -hmm. We've created that highly empowered environment, that non-bureaucratic environment where folks are positioned to be able to serve their customers, whether those are external customers or whether those are internal customers. That's the winning combination. Again, yeah. it doesn't sound like it's that hard to do, but so yeah. many organizations somehow trip up along the way. And so far, knock on wood, we have not. We continue to attract those kinds of individuals that want that empowered environment. And I think that's so crucial that you're vision that you've got there and the culture that you're setting is crystal clear because you know that certainly will appeal to the right underwriters the right claims leaders that you want to bring into the organization but it won't also appeal to everybody you know some people like the comfort of being in a larger organization decision by committee maybe being part of a larger team where there's not that ownership and where there's not that accountability so having that clarity from the outset allows you to attract the people that you want to to the organization and being upfront and honest that you know that's not for everybody but that's the way that you guys do it and that's how you are going to be successful that's exactly right nick it's really important that we're transparent right from the very beginning of the recruiting and interviewing process mm -hmm. and i always mm -hmm. say an interview process is really it's a two-way process right yeah. we get to interview a prospective candidate but i always encourage candidates to interview us and, mm -hmm. and understand if this is the right environment. And like most organizations, when we go through interviews, we give candidates an opportunity to meet a number of different people. And, and I always encourage them to ask the same question to different people and see if they get the same answer or not, because they ought to come away with, is this the kind of environment where I'm going to be successful in? Nick, I would say the other thing that's been a huge advantage for us is, again, we've built this culture um, where folks really feel excited and empowered and comfortable to be, and they are our best recruiters. We filled more than 50% of our external hires last year through employee referrals. And so when folks are out there saying, this is the organization that my friend or colleague could really be successful at, they're doing 80% of the work in terms of sort of that recruiting and that selection. And so they're not referring folks who are not going to be comfortable in that fast-paced changing environment. They're only going to be referring folks who they believe will be comfortable in, in the environment who we are. I was going to ask you about 
the outcomes you've had but that's clearly you know one of the major ones is that that culture that you've built there is you know that's been passed through the organization and even externally as well so that's the external message going out from you know the key people in the organization but right through the staff attract those other a players as well Tom brings me nicely on to the espresso round now where the questions are short, sharp and to the point. You got your Dunkin' Donuts coffee there. You ready for the espresso round? I am ready. The espresso round. Tom, start off, what would be the one piece of advice you would have for a senior executive, an insurance leader who's coming to interview for you there at Skywood? Follows on, I think, from our earlier conversation, right? We are a small, rapidly growing entrepreneurial company. We are proudly the antithesis of a large bureaucratic company, right? Mm -hmm. And as you say, there are certainly advantages to being a part of a big company. You know, we don't always have the same infrastructure that large companies have, but if you like that fast-paced environment, if you like an opportunity where you're never going to hear, we can't do it, or you know, we've never done it that way, or we've always done it this way, uh, this is the place to be. This is the opportunity to sort of come in and build the company you always wanted to work for. And that's been hugely successful for you. So if you were to reach out, speak out to some of your contemporaries out there, obviously we've had different guests throughout the series, different HR executives, different people executives from various insurance organizations. What would you say is your one recommendation to your peers around best practice for hiring exceptional talent like you've done over the last few years? I would say it's all about building a winning culture. To paraphrase a line from Field of Dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. With nearly 55% of our external hires coming from employee referrals, we have a leg up on the competition because we've already got the benefit of that employee referral to kick off the initial screening process for us. Yeah. And if you've got a great talent pool, a wide base, people being attracted to the organization, it's then easier for yourself as a business to be more choosy and to be more picky because you've got a large pipeline of good quality talent. I think the challenges companies have is when they don't have that pipeline and they're struggling and sometimes have to make concessions where they don't want to. And it's a spiral effect for sure. We like to say if you're in the top five or 10% of the talent, you should be working at Skyward Specialty. Mm -hmm. And Nick, it's fun when we get unsolicited emails saying, hey, I'm in the top 10%. And we say, come on, let's talk. You know, you've had a very distinguished career in HR leadership, Tom. Many interviews, I'm sure, along the way. What would you say has been the most sort of memorable thing or maybe the worst thing or best thing that you've seen in an interview that you recall? I'll tell you one of my favorite stories, and it goes back to much earlier in my career. I was working for a high-tech company outside of Boston and got a, a resume from a recent engineering graduate. He was an international student and come to find out he had won the visa lottery at the time and had moved to the States, was living with his aunt and uncle uh, in their basement in a suburb of Boston and was trying to get his first job in engineering. And so I invited him in for an interview and he arrives into our office absolutely soaking wet. It was pouring rain outside. He had taken a bus into the city, taken the, the subway across town, taken a train out to us, and then walked two miles to our facility for his interview. So he comes in and we're going through the interview. You know, I asked him sort of how his job search was going. And he said, well, he'd been in the States for six months and the only job he'd been able to find is at McDonald's. And I said, oh, how's that going? And he says, every day I walk back and forth to work and I just repeat to myself, 
I am an engineer. I am an engineer. I am an engineer. So it has resonated with me to this day. I got him introduced to the right hiring managers. And as I drove him back to the train station in the pouring rain that afternoon, we extended an offer to him. He joined the company and went on to have a terrific engineering career. So the moral of the story for me anyway is, look, you know, education, skills, competency, that's table stakes, right? Yeah. But character, drive. Mm -hmm work ethic, and never, ever giving up is what wins the day. And that's what we look for in candidates. That's so inspiring. And I'm sure that, you know, to a much lesser degree than that, there's probably listeners out there now who are probably you know, stuck in a role. Tom, that's brilliant. There's such an inspiring story. And I'm sure to a lesser extent, you know, there's probably plenty of people out there now, underwriters, maybe they're claims professionals. They feel like they're not in the right role at the moment. They feel like, you know, maybe they're going around the hamster wheel. They're looking for those opportunities. They just got to remind themselves that, you know, if you do put yourself out there and you're persistent, that opportunity will come to you. But if you just carry on doing the same things you're doing, you know, you're going to get the same results. So great reminder to everybody out there, you've got to be in it to win it. And you've got to get in front of the right people and start having those conversations. Very inspiring story there. Tom, I know that Skyward, you know, have invested a lot in technology and it's obviously key to some of the underwriting success. Samson, talent acquisition, is there a piece of technology or a tool that you're using there that's really helping you guys to be successful in attracting talent to the business? Yeah, sure. We leverage technology wherever it makes sense. We use the ISIMS applicant tracking system. We use uh, LinkedIn mm -hmm. recruiting for sourcing. But Nick, frankly, we're still boutique enough that we have the luxury and the opportunity to get to know every one of our qualifying applicants. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that makes all the difference. That does certainly make all the difference. You know, people do really appreciate that human touch. Tom, it's been a great conversation. I can't believe our time's almost come to the end. Before we go, what piece of closing advice would you have for our listeners? And yeah, if someone's heard the podcast today, they sound really inspired and they want to have that entrepreneurial opportunity. They want to be able to have that responsibility. How would someone go about reaching out to you about opportunities that you might have? Yeah, Nick, thanks for that. Folks can write us at hrjobs at skywardinsurance.com, or they can uh, go out and look at what's available today at skywardinsurance.com slash careers. We would welcome an opportunity to talk to anybody who's interested in uh, potentially joining Skyward. We've got an inclusive environment, we have a, an empowered environment, and we describe ourselves as a learning organization where ongoing learning and development is critically important. And you put all that together and it creates a winning culture where top talent thrives. I know that is the culture there. One of the stories that I heard along the grapevine was that on the day of the IPA was actually there was an announcement that, that all the staff were getting shares or equity as well. Is that something that future employees will be involved in, or is that an initiative as you went through that IPO? Great question, Nick. Yeah, we were very excited to give every single employee who was on board as we IPO'd a stake in the company. That stake has already increased about 60% prospective value. Wow. And so that's been pretty exciting. We have just launched this week, in fact, our first enrollment period in an employee stock purchase plan. And so employees have an opportunity to purchase stock at a 15% discount through payroll deduction and to continue to grow their equity stake in the company. Fantastic. So everybody's aligned, working towards the same goal and having an, a, 
ownership in the business is fantastic and very, very unique, really, in the carrier marketplace, particularly. So really, really interesting. Tom, thank you so much for your time today. It's been, been great speaking to you. The the culture that you've built there, you know, you led that alongside Andrew to build that winning culture and it's certainly paying dividends. So thank you for joining us today and thank you for the learnings that you've shared with us. Nick, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time for another episode packed with insights and advice for senior leaders, C-suite executives, and ambitious insurance professionals. Stream all episodes at insurance-search.com.